Welcome to the Smith and Rowan Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowan. As we wake up each day, we look for things that we can grab hold of that sustains us in our daily walk. Today, it is the Smith and Rowland show that will provide that for you. <laughs> As normal, we are the arbiters of all truth. So welcome today, Mr. Alan Smith. Yes, yes. I just cleaned off my arbiter with the broom <laughs> dust rag. I got a brand new <laughs> Wait a clean ar- <laughs> arbiter. You cleaned of off truth. your arbiter. I cleaned off. I did. I cleaned it off. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. Here we oh, go. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Eisenhower warned us about warmongering Democrats. Wow. 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 That's that, a dates, name. that dates back. Yeah. That dates back. And neocon rhinos. Wow. What's a, what is a neocon rhino? Only <clears throat> Trump got the message. We're just hmm. speaking about this article that evidently Eisenhower had years ago, and we'll kind of touch on it here on how he was predicting Eisenhower was being somewhat of a prophet unto the future. It was a warning to America, and it looks like we're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, just about every warning that has come down the pike over the last forty years, we are now in it. I'm it telling you what. Well, some of these old timers, those Jeffs, they they saw the writing on the wall years ago. They saw it coming. They saw it coming. I mean, you could like them or not. They still, what they said is there's a lot of wisdom in in these years and some of these guys. It's by Don Brown. Don Brown, and I'm actually, Don Brown was a former U.S. Navy JAG, J.G. Mm -hmm. officer, and he's the author of a book, Travesty of Justice, and it's the shocking prosecution of Lieutenant Clint Lawrence and called sign extortion I 17. Huh, what a name. Wow. The shoot down of a SEAL Team 6 is what it's about. I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Call sign extortion mm-hmm. 17. I get it now. The name, the shoot down of SEAL Team 6, and the author of 15 books on the United States military, including three national bestsellers. He's one of the four, four former JAG officers serving on the Lawrence legal team. Yeah, if you remember him, he's he was pardoned by Trump in November 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a military prosecutor, former special assistant to the United States attorney, and he can be reached at Don Brown Books at gmail.com. Yeah. So and at on Twitter at Don Brown Books. So he, this guy's not a novice, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Right. I was wanting to give that little background on Don Brown who wrote this article so we can see that he has a lot of horsepower and a lot of authority, I guess you should say, and what he's saying here. So one of Brett Bayer's questions during the Fox News presidential debate of second stringers, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. but Trump on August 23rd, evoked one of the most memorable moments in the 20th century presidential history. Now, that's saying a lot there. One that's of the saying most a lot. memorable moments. Bayer's question set off a rhino verse Vivek firestorm among the contestants who participated. Mm. Quote, the U.S. committed nearly $77 billion in aid to the Ukraine war. End of quote, Bayer said. The administration is now asking Congress for $24 billion more. Already mm-hmm. spent 77. Administration's asking Congress for 24 billion more. Regardless of the specific specifics of that plan, is there anyone on stage who would not support the increase of more funding to Ukraine? 
well, what a, you don't think he was going to make a firestorm happen. Yeah. Before turning to their answers, the question itself evoked memories of Dwight Eisenhower, not only perhaps the greatest military leader in American history besides George Washington himself, but who also served as our 34th president. As president, Ike not only presided over eight years of great American prosperity and boom times, but his final address to the nation came on January 17th. 61, 1961, just three days before John Kennedy's inauguration, becoming perhaps the most memorable in presidential history. In his address, Ike could have emphasized anything he wanted. Instead, he famously warned Americans against the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I, if anybody had the ability to comment on this, it would have been Ike. Stating, in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. He went on to add, the potential for this disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. What do you think on that one, Mr. Rowland? Well, I think that that issue has made full circle and is part of the platform for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., He's talked about the military-industrial complex and its influence in the government, as as have others. Others have talked about that as well. And it's plain to see that it has its fingerprints in economic decisions, military decisions, foreign policy decisions, the whole nine yards. And Eisenhower was right that there are corporations and companies that support the military by their machinery, that they profit by wars around the world and whether or not we support or don't support certain wars in certain countries. So it's got its fingerprint on the poor economy that we now have. And Alan, to say that we have spent $77 billion in aid to the Ukraine, they're asking for yep. $24 million or billion more. That's over $100 billion dollars that we've given to Ukraine. And the odd thing is, is we're borrowing this money from China, who is our enemy and a supporter of Russia. We're borrowing this money from China to give to the Ukraine to fight the Russians and the Russians and the Chinese are friends. It's absolutely, yeah, it's just insane. The Chinese giving us money to give to Ukraine being the China, being the friend of Russia is almost as insane as some of these social issues that we see. So the Mm -hmm. insanity that's in that industrial complex that supports the military, the insanity that's there is the same insanity that's across the board in all of these other issues that we face in this country. Yeah. Well, evidently it started a firestorm of a conversation in this debate. It goes on to say, it is interesting that military leaders who have been in the midst of war, who know the stench of battle and the smell of gunpowder and saw bleeding comrades up close and personal, are the most sober about advocating against military action without just cause and deliberate reasoning. Now, back to the question of the Ukraine war, here's some of the responses. First, we have Vivek Ramsamy who, like a kid excited about his first toy under the Christmas tree, 
immediately shot his hand up to who would oppose more funding question, promising to end military aid to Ukraine without hesitation, without unfettered decisiveness. No questions Mm -hmm. were where Vivek stood. Then came Ron DeSantis. Now, completing with Vivek for second place, why behind Trump in the polls who tried a one foot in, one foot out of the poll approach? Looking around timely to see how other candidates would respond, DeSantis literally raised his hand halfway up mm-hmm. and without commenting fully one way or the other, half-heartedly declared that Europe needs to step up. I would have Europe step up and do their job. And as if he has the power over Europe and as if Ukraine is a member of NATO, which it is not. So DeSantis disguised himself as whimsy, was she next to Vivek's yeah. decisiveness? Yeah, right. Uh, Nonetheless, DeSantis uh, wants the war. Apparently, he just wants Europe to help America with the cost. Jeff, I have a problem with this war in Ukraine. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about being right around 100 billion if they give them this 100 billion. I mean, if you pay back a dollar a second, a dollar. Now now we're talking about 100 billion. That's where the B. If you paid back a dollar a second. It would take 32 years to pay back a billion dollars. Yeah. So we're talking about a hundred billion. A hundred billion. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, listen, Alan, I've even got a problem with the very premise of this war in Ukraine. I've got a problem with with the whole thing. It's deeper than just the money. Well, my problem problem is, is that the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 60s was because the Russians were going to put missiles 90 miles off of the coast of Florida. We right. didn't want that, so we stood them down. It was the closest that we knowingly yeah, have yeah. been to nuclear war. Right. All right. We're doing the same thing to Russia. It's the exact same thing Russia now, now said. What, what are you, how does that how Russia, is that, Russia said how is that? That, that he did not want NATO to have missiles off of his coast. I don't blame him for that. We would say the same thing. We don't want them putting missiles in Mexico. So here we go. We're now fighting a proxy war over something that we wouldn't allow ourselves. So I've got a problem with the whole premise of this war, of this action. What what do you think is the motivation then, Jeff? Because I I see your analogy here of having, it looks like you're comparing Ukraine to Cuba. Ukraine is to Cuba as Ukraine is to Russia as Cuba is to the United States is what you're That's saying. Right. And That's I'm, right. And I'd be in total agreement. And then not even it even gets worse in that Russia knew that they were trying to pull Ukraine into NATO, which throws you into another, what, 14, 15 nations. Right. And so yeah. I, I don't know how what the number is right offhand now. But nonetheless, so you were doing more than just to Cuba. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so as far as Russia is concerned, you're going to if you accept Ukraine into the NATO, you're going to have all 15 nations or so now standing against Russia. So it's even greater. I see your analogy and agree with it, but I think it's even more so. Well, it's Uh, deeper than that, even, Alan, because from a cultural perspective, many of those that are living in Ukraine are actually descendants of Russia. Oh, that is right. I'm just saying from a cultural standpoint, it's even deeper than that. Now. That does not excuse the brutality with which Vladimir Putin is conducting the war effort. I totally understand that, and I get that. But Jeff, there's, I just 30, think this, there's 31 countries to NATO. Boy, I was off. But, 31 countries uh, well, now. Go ahead. Well, what I'm saying is, is that though Vladimir Putin is a 
basically a military thug and he conducts himself that way. And there's right. no excuse for that. And I'm not excusing that. Got I'm it. simply Got saying it. that this, this entire war was handled wrong from every standpoint. It was mm -hmm. handled wrong from every standpoint. We did not honor our agreement. Russia did not honor their agreement with Ukraine. When nuclear weapons were taken out of Ukraine and dispensed to Russia, and the agreement was is that Ukraine would never be attacked. So That's what it so was. They promised them that. They promised them that from both America and Russia. So there was that in itself. That's where it began. And the premise to do something should have been garnered around that. And there just wasn't enough leadership to handle this properly. So we find ourselves in the mess. And quite frankly, there has to be someone that can negotiate the proper agreements to put an end to this. But $77 billion hasn't pulled it off. Mm -hmm. And there is evidence, Alan, that, you know, everybody thinks that, well, yeah, but this 77 billion is helping the Ukrainians win the war. They're not winning the war. They're not winning the war. Russia is, is having their way. Ukraine is running out of soldiers mm -hmm. right now on the field, on the ground. There are Ukrainian military leaders that are surrendering to Russia simply to get safe harbor for their wounded soldiers. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so we've been kind of duped and lied to over this thing. And I think it's going to be a major issue going forward into this election if by some odd chance we can survive the next year and a half of a, of a Biden administration, then this will be an issue confronting the general election that's going to have to be answered. Well, see, we know, too, there's a, Jeff, I got in front of me here, this trilateral process. Uh, it was between the United States, Ukraine, and Russia is this agreement. And it happened when the Soviet Union clashed in 1991. Ukraine yep. had the world's third largest nuclear arsenal on its right. territory. Right. When Ukraine-Russia negotiations on removing these weapons from Ukraine appeared to break down in September of 93, the U.S. government engaged in a trilateral process with Ukraine and Russia. The result was a trilateral statement signed in January of 94, under which Ukraine agreed to transfer the nuclear warheads to Russia for elimination. In return, Ukraine received security assurance from the United States and Russia and Britain, compensation for the economic value of the highly enriched uranium in, in which the warheads which could be blended down and converted to fuel for nuclear reactors, and assistance from the United States in dismantling the missiles, missile silos, bombers, and nuclear infrastructure on its territory. So this is the history of what happened in that trilateral process. So in one way, us being there is cannot discount is almost a fulfillment of what we promised Ukraine. But the problem I, I, is the problem is the treaty was between United States, Russia, and Ukraine, according to this it absolutely definition was. here. It absolutely was. And furthermore, the best way to provide security for Ukraine would not have been to have given them $77 billion to send their people to certain death. 
Right, it would have right. been, if you want to look at security, they would have been far more secure had someone been in, in leadership at that time that could have negotiated the right settlement between the Ukrainians and the Russians. And yeah, it was yeah. all it was all about Ukraine clamoring, wanting to be a part of NATO, wanting to be, you know, yeah, listen, yeah. that was just all that was, was Ukraine trying to get some nuclear weapons back. Yeah, or at least the heart. potential for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we got another little thing thrown into the mix here. Elon Musk, he ordered Starlink, you know, Starlink's his satellites, to be turned off during Ukraine offensive. In other yeah. words, Ukraine had some drones that they were going just around the Crimea. It says here, and I'm thinking it was it this year, or last year, but Elon Musk ordered Starlink satellite communications network to be turned off near the Crimea coast. It says here, Jeff, last year, which I did not realize that, to hobble a Ukrainian drone attack on Russian warships. So CNN quoted an excerpt from the biography. Well, anyway, it says here that he turned it on to help Ukraine, but it looks like he turned it off here at this one place when they were trying to attack around Crimea. Yeah, so yeah. Elon's got himself in a mess on his yeah, Starlink. He does. he does. If he's going to turn on and off these satellites, because I, it might, I might be corrected, Jeff, but I think most of Ukrainian communications has been somewhat destroyed and they're kind of running off of Starlink was the last I heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's my understanding as well. I don't know what the motivation behind Elon's thinking is, but here's here's the thing we can say, Alan. Since the beginning of this conflict, or even on this podcast, you and I have maintained that there's something wrong with this war. There's something we've wrong, bad wrong. We, we've maintained that this bad we're wrong. not thinking straight through this conflict. We've maintained that through this entire conflict, but it does appear there's now a split. The thinking is split in America about this war effort in Ukraine. And we have, for the last hundred years, or at least since, since Hitler was defeated, we have viewed Russia as our enemy, staunch enemy. So anything Russia does, we're basically against. And while there are a lot of things about the Russian government that we know is corrupt, and Vladimir Putin is corrupt, Putin has made some comparisons that we're just as corrupt as they are, and I'm not so sure he's not right. Of course, that's an admission of their own corruption. But huh. I'm just I'm just say, saying that just because Russia, in many ways, is our geopolitical enemy, that does not make this war effort automatically correct from a Ukrainian perspective. And I think there's a lot of people coming to that idea. Yeah, I would totally agree. Let me ask you this, shifting uh, just a little, not really too much, but an end-time scenario. Tell us what your uh, understanding of Russia is as far as coming against Israel. Where do you think that this plays into our end-time scenario? Well, I mean, we would have to do three or four podcasts. Well, well you got two minutes. But I got two minutes. Well, it, it depends a lot, depends on what your timing is of Ezekiel 38. But we do know that from there's going to be a concerted effort and a unification of the Russian right. bear and the confederation of those armies coming down through Iran and Iraq that's going to threaten Russia or yeah, going to threaten yeah. Israel. We know that's going to happen. 
and is this the start of that? I think it is. I, yeah. I think it is the start of that. And furthermore, I think because that it's the start of that, that it's almost inevitable that Russia is going to secure a victory of sorts in the Ukrainian territory. I do believe that that's going to happen. And I don't think that spending more billions of dollars is going to reverse that. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump claims if he's president, he could get it settled in a week. I don't know if he can or not, but he does tend to have well, he'd ways come of, a whole lot working. closer. He'd come a whole got. lot closer than what we got. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> ain't no doubt. Ain't no doubt well, in my mind. This end time scenario, as you and I both agree with, is going to happen regardless of any yes, interventions of mankind. But when you're throwing this kind of money, pushing a hundred billion dollars, Jeff, that is a yeah, lot of money. That's a lot of money. That is that's a lot of it's, money. Hey, Alan, that's part of why our economy is in such a, a mess and why that, listen, people need to understand this, this part, the inflation problem that everybody thinks has been subdued is far from over. The inflationary causes are still at play and they're getting worse and it's going to pop before long. There's no way that our economy can withstand this. Well, it's just like eating a big meal. They ain't somewhere or another. You got to stop. Yeah, that's your right. Belly, your belly going to pop. It won't hold anymore. And I that's think exactly we're exactly right. I think this Ukraine war situation is uh, there's going to have to be some decisions made. It's going to force decisions. Yeah. And those decisions, of course, will polarize <laughs> America even more. And yeah, as that will. happens, it don't think the Ukraine war does not affect America. It's tearing us apart and it will continue to do so. All yeah. right, Mr. Rowland, we're done okay. here for today. And All right, uh, Alan Smith. you be careful and we'll talk to you tomorrow and see okay. if you can give it a little better, little more calm your introductions down just to say. And, I will. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'll yeah. become more truthful on our introductions. Just wait and see. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> Hi, Roland. Behave. Bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith and Roland show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollandshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.